Welcome, welcome, welcome to Planning Phase Syndicate. This is episode 26 called The Road Less Traveled. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different things. As promised, and, and I, I truly promise we're actually going to get to statistic analysis tonight. And I'm going to apologize in advance. Uh, I'm a little quirky tonight. I started a new job, had a new setup for my desktop, switched my old laptop back in, and half my screens don't work. <laughs> so I'm a little behind the eight ball tonight, um, and hence why we're starting 20 minutes late. But with that being said, let's bring in co-host for tonight. Welcome to the show, JJ. How are you? Doing all right, sir. How about you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, tonight's episode is brought to you by New Holland Brewery, the old-fashioned to get into when you just don't know where X-Wing's going to go. Just saying. Anyway. Yep. Welcome to the show. Tonight, we're going to be talking about our Crate Cup. Uh, we had to play <coughs> a cross game between the bottom two teams, which was one, one of them was us. And then we're going to be talking a little bit out, a little bit more about the GSP event. And we're going to have a couple of different system malfunctions that uh, we discovered. And then we're getting into meta wing statistics. But before we do that, JJ, how's your night been? Or your week? I don't know. Is it a it's, night, a week, whatever it, it feels? It's the. It feels like it's been the start of um, of a crazy week at work. Um, I, I work as a, as an insurance adjuster, and just the amount of people on on the road, uh, particularly here out in Florida, like just the sheer amount of accidents that I've I've had to deal with this week has been insane. But other than that, start of the Christmas season for me officially. We put up our tree today. Um, you know, put up the lights and stuff. You know, we splurged last year for a brand new tree. Um, and my daughter is coming of age where she's really starting to appreciate it. So that's good. Awesome. And you're lucky. My wife would not, um, would not bother to let me put the tree up this week. So no tree in my house. Well, to be fair, we're trying to, we're trying to head off my parents who are going to stay with us for a little bit. Um, so we're trying to get that ready before they come in. So that's my excuse. So. Fair enough. Oh, so this week in Crate Cup news, we played three games. Charles played um, and lost. I played, or John played and won. And then I had to play, um, which I was kind of hoping I wouldn't have to play because we thought this was going to be our week off. So I planned all these events, and then I had to reprioritize my weekend uh, to make sure we got a game in because I ended up having to be the bloody tiebreaker. And guess what list I had to fly against, JJ? Oh, man. Go ahead. Do it. Two Sith infiltrators decked out to the hilt. And I'm not saying a little bit decked out. We're talking outrageously decked out. What is this, 2019? Jeez. Yeah. And I didn't know they were a thing, I guess. Right? I I didn't know that. I I thought everything was more um I don't know, just hey, we don't have to worry about it, blah 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 blah. Um yeah, when the uh when the infiltrators first came out, um at least in, in my local meta and man, we saw a lot of double fire sprays back in the day. I know that a few local 20s here uh, a lot, a few store championships in the area had uh, had that list take the take the cut. 
um, there would be like two or three of them in the cut every single time because of their efficiency. Um, and it's it's deceptive, right? Because you look at the stat line for the Sif Infiltrator and you see just the one agility, but the the abilities of both Dooku and Maul, like they're 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 just good. They're, they can work really well as a as a two ship list. And they have even more toys now with extra force powers and with extra uh, crew that help them become even better. Yeah. So the one on the top here was, um, and these this this is done a little differently. Actually, I got to fix this a second. Um, this essentially was the list that I had flown against me. Both of them had hate since hate's now a static, you know, even even points there. And. And one of them probably had a hull upgrade. There we go. So yeah, this is this is what it was. Darth Maul with hate, protons, help, seismics, and a hull upgrade. And Count Dooku with hate, protons, Zam Wessel, seismic, the scimitar, and the shield upgrade. So Yeah, very solid list. These, I will tell you. I am going to go out and buy a second Sith Infiltrator just to run these at my local. Uh, so watch out, guys. Uh, here, here. Uh, oh, so yeah. watch out. I, I thought this was fun to run. Um, but I, you know, of course, I had to run my droid swarm against it with Watt. So, um, and I did, I swapped out, I, JJ and I talked, I was like, all right, should I swap out my, my, my TB? My stress bot, essentially, my TV two B four or whatever it's called, where I could spin a calculate and give them a strain, um, or get a free evade. And I probably should have kept that in the long run because the other one did trigger, but not as often um as I thought it would. Yeah, um that that was definitely a nail biter. You won by like uh what four points, right? Or Three. Oh my gosh. Three points. Yeah. Now Let's let's let, we're gonna set the story just real quick, and then we won't spend all night talking about this list. Though I am pretty impressed by this list. So they set up both the infiltrators, one on each side of his board, and then they slowly come in. And Maul is your bait, right? Maul's there. You you go after Maul, and you leave Dooku alone, and then you have to deal with Dooku when you've only got two or three ships left. Or you go all in on Dooku, and then Maul comes in behind and cleans everybody up. So you have to pick. So I picked Maul. Um, by the way, we'll talk about this cheap little interaction that Maul has with Palpatine in a second here. But um, essentially what the way it worked is I got in, got Maul off the table or almost off the table in two engagements, and then Maul had to run away. So then I started focusing on Dooku. Maul comes back in, dies pretty quickly, takes a droid with him, but eh, see you, have a nice time. Um, and then they um and they and we'll explain why they picked seismics in a second here um and then what happened is dooku got chased by a couple of different ships and no matter what he did he couldn't get away and then in the end what it came down to is one brown droid and a full health watt and watt was on the other side of rock he went in on the droid the droid takes him down to one health He's got one churn left because they are playing by the 12 churn rule. One churn left and he's cloaked, right? So he has to be, do I decloak and come in? He's got one health left. So he made the decision to come in cloaked. And I go, well, we're both I3, right? Yeah. I was like, so if I decline to shoot, 
the game's over, right? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay. I declined to shoot. Thanks for the win. Sorry, man. I feel really bad about that. That's a cheap, cheap ass way to win. But it's for hey, cut. So it's a tactical decision, right? He went for pure defense. And, you know, unfortunately, that's that's what he got. He was hoping that you would forget the trigger. So, yeah. Um. So so that being said, um, to answer your, your question, Nickel City. So 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 they. The reason they didn't do protons is because I was running a droid swarm. So his idea was to blow the rocks up that my droids were sitting on. Um, and then if I got first player, whatever rocks I put in the center to blow them up to make more room for Dooku and, um, and Maul to sloop because they have five or two sloops and um, five Ks, which is just crazy on that ship. But they do. It's crazy to me. It's crazy. And he never once used the five K. He did use the sloop. Uh, maneuver several times uh yeah the decloak into sloop is pretty good on the um on that uh, on that chassis yeah so now real real quick i want to talk about the interaction um and maybe should i bring t do you have ttt up maybe uh, i mean i could just refocus the screen so um the way it works with dooku is here and let me i'm gonna bring the screen over maybe Come on, screen. So Dooku, the way Dooku works is after you defend, if the attacker is in your firing arc, you may spend one force to remove one of your blue or red tokens. To cloak for him is a is an action, right? After you perform an attack that hits, you may spend one force to perform an action. So as long as you're not stressed, you can perform an action, right? Um, and if you are stressed, you just have to wait till somebody attacks you. So what he would do is he would come in with Dooku. And here's where road matters, like 100%. Here's where road matters. Because if he was an I-3 and I'm an I-3, if he shot at me, right, and he was first player, he would immediately cloak immediately like it was not even a question he was he would save a force no matter what to cloak so in the middle of engagement he could just cloak with a stress then after i shoot at him he could get rid of the he could get rid of the stress token and just stay cloaked and if for whatever reason he had zam active he could spend the force to get rid of the cloak and then it's and then do his Zam trigger and attack me for a bonus attack. <laughs> crazy, right? That's a pretty crazy interaction. Now I will say it only worked for him really well during um during an I three matchup, but Road made a hell of a difference. I don't like I I know people have been very you know what the hell blah blah blah. In this case, that gave me or him a chance to win, and mainly it benefited me for the pure fact that my whole list is an I three. I three list. So I had to kill Maul first or get him as far off the board and away from me as I could so that that way I could deal with Dooku in, in of himself because Maul was able to come in and pick people off. Dooku then had to say, well, I'm going to cloak. If he did not get first player, it was great for me because I could shoot first. He couldn't cloak unless that's what he really wanted to do. And then he wouldn't be able to get a shot. And so I was able to a couple of times burn him down um, shield wise and then burn into his hull 
because of the fact that um because of the fact that he had to do that, right? Um so road made a huge difference in our game for towards the end for the pure fact that it allowed me the chance to not like roll one time and then just be like, mm, I guess I'm always first player and or always second player and screw me, you know. Um it worked very well in that instance. Your thoughts, JJ? Do you think that uh, that road made the game better overall, like the experience of it, or do you think that the the that it it would have made no difference to you, like in terms of how you enjoyed the game? Uh, in terms of this matchup, it made the game a million times better, just like hands down. Like I, I actually, I because I knew the Dooku interaction, um, with the the cloak and stuff like that, um. And it made it so that him and I actually had to worry about that. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, for him, it made a difference in what maneuver he did, right? He did not always just swoop or um, 5K around me. He actually played more cagey with his ship uh, because of that. So it altered the way that he would have flown his, his list normally, you would say. Oh, yes. Because if he was first player and he gets to shoot first, He's immediately just coming in, shoot, and, and he's just, he's going to one bank, one bank. He's going to one forward to victory. There you go. That's what he's going to do. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah. But it does help me because, because think about it. And Nickel City, I'll be, I'll be frank and say, I, we've openly said we like the road to some extent on the show. I think it changes player style. But the big thing that this does is it creates a more equal playing field that says you can't just take this one tactic and it's always going to win. And he can use this tactic against I2s I and I1s. So if I had been an all I I1 list, it, it the road wouldn't have mattered, wouldn't have mattered in any of that. Um I don't think there's going to be a tactic that's always going to win either. I don't think that's how that's that's going to work personally. And I know lots of people are against it, but the, in in this case, and I'm not even saying for new players at this point. This is this I, I've been playing for almost two years, so I'm not like some top tier player or anything. But I can say in my experience, this made this made everything a lot better in terms of that. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I've I've been able to play um, quite a few matches now with road uh, with road rules, and I, I got to say, about half of my games it never mattered because we never had any overlapping initiatives and we never had like any system phase triggers or ability triggers that would matter for um, for like road, right? Like who's going to be first player. So the times that I did have those, um, those interactions, um, I mean, we were pretty far apart. So even if I decided to go slow, you know, whether I was going to go first or second, something was going to happen. Right. And if I'm relying on somebody on an ability, like to rely on making sure I get a key blocker and something like that, it's a risk that I had to take. Um, I, I had uh, one game recently where I just, I was, um, I was trying to get behind a Teltravor and I'm at distance two of it. So I, and we're at the same initiative. It's an A-wing wedge versus a Teltravor. 
and I um, I dialed in a 5K because I'm expecting um, in my mind, right? Like I've already been, I, uh, I ended up taking initiative a few times in a row. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm due to be second player anytime now. So I dialed in the 5K and sure enough, for like the fifth turn in a row, I get first player initiative and I do a 5K and bump right into the face of Tel Trevor and he just goes right past me and takes a shot. So <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of felt bad because, you know, I'm expecting that to change for me and stuff like that. But at the end, you know, you, it, it's a gamble. Everything's going to be a gamble, right? You, you make your moves for what you want to happen, the best case scenario, but at the same time, you know, it's it's a risk, right? You can try for this the the risky move and try to you know plan that your opponent's not going to be behind you, and it doesn't pay out, and it feels bad sometimes, but other times it does pay out. So so far, I mean, I'm I'm leaning a little more towards, um, uh, I, I want to say a more positive view of road, even though I I think that overall it does make the game just slightly more chaotic. Um, but it's it's not as bad as I previously thought, I would say. Yeah. So they yeah, so I and I agree with you. I I, I we John and I played a game today, and I guess this is a little I tangenty. We played a game today where we played with road rules and we also played with a bump stress focus rule. Um aim shoot at range zero. We actually did that. So We've been, John and I have been testing some of this stuff on the side. Uh, not you, John, other John. <laughs> um, but we've been testing some of this stuff on the side. And we'll get to that probably a little bit later tonight. I think that's an, an important, you know, idea behind it. Uh, it. But if we, so going back to, so if I have eight ships on the board, all at I3, and they don't, let's just pretend they don't take anything off the board. Dooku can, can come in, shoot first. And then when I shoot him, if it hits, he gets a force back, right? So if he doesn't spend all his force, he immediately takes that cloak token, has a cloak token and three agility. And you're right. If he can, if I continue to shoot at him and he's going to get three agility till the end of the turn, then he's going to decloak the next year. If he does on the other side of the, of the fence, if I'm shooting at him, um, he's in hitting, he's now getting force back on top of that. So in that case, the, the road, matters extremely i think it matters more for threes and fours we've discovered than any other initiative at this point yeah yeah definitely it definitely does matter for for those um those particular initiatives because a lot of uh swarm lists um are now more towards the i3 mark um and then of course a lot of the generic i4s are also a, a thing so I think that those ace pilots that have those abilities at those initiatives care a lot more about wanting consistency to make sure that they get their triggers um, like set at a set time. Um, and road kind of just messes that up. You know, um, it's I, I think that the future of pilots that we're going to start seeing from AMG is gonna probably gonna have pilots that have abilities that are more based towards that um i think i think that the design space that they're creating for the game for that will it be good i i honestly don't know but um but i mean we'll see yeah we will see so let's talk real quick jj you had another thing um he only forced okay nickel city he only forced the stars himself when he isn't getting hit Hate gives him all of that back. So he he it's it's a battering ramp. If I hit three hits, he gets all three force back. 
Then he spends a force to get rid of the stress. I shoot him again. He gets a force back. He spends the force to get a cloak token or vice versa. However, he wants to do that. So then he's back at full health. So by, by his, by the logic, and then he has force on top of that to spend on defense when he needs it. So it doesn't force starve him when I keep getting hits through. If I don't hit him, then he's only down one force in the long run. So he only has to take the first joust of getting the initial through to get those force back. And then he's, he, I, I could tell you right now, he literally never did not have three force throughout the game at the beginning of his turn. One time. Well, there was one time when I could, one time when he cloaked and I couldn't hit anything. <laughs> like, I think I blinked out twice on him. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. That and you're right. Yes. Match. It is, it is killing him, but if it, that's why you have to burn Maul down first because Maul can't regen force in the same way. But Maul also gives you... So Maul's the other thing with Palpatine on Maul. Maul regenerates his force and then gives you stress with a, a force. So if you, hit him for, if you hit Maul for three, which that was common, like Maul is really easy to burn down. Maul regens all his force, then he immediately gives you stress. So like if you do a stressful mover with your ship, which... I tend to do when I fly droids, um, they ended up with two stress. So a couple of times I got screwed. I screwed myself because of that. And that was my fault. So, yeah. And then combine that with the seismic charges where he was just leaving it there to have your droids just fall right into range one of the exploding rock. And there's nothing you could do because you're stressed. You know? Yeah. Um, either which way. So you had a unique, um, a unique, thing that you discovered too which i did not know about i guess not in i'll let you tell it jay because i don't i don't understand 100 percent how not in work i've never once used not in yeah so this completely surprised me because i was um i was completely like caught by surprise by this particular interaction now i'm actually really familiar with not um when the pack first came out for the resistance transport. I actually used it to great effect, and I made it to a top, um, a top four t uh, cut in our local um, regional event here in Florida a few years back. Um, it was a, a really good ship that I used to use a lot because of the coordinate ability. So uh, when you look at uh, Noden's ability, it reads: uh, after you coordinated or you are coordinated. Um, if you have two or fewer stress tokens, you may perform one action on your action bar as a red action, even if you're stressed. And then Hondo, uh, the crew, his ability reads action, choose two ships at range one to three that you are friend that are uh, of you that are friendly to each other. So uh, you can coordinate one and then jam the other, ignoring range restrictions. So because of the wording on Hondo crew, the coordinate on it um is doesn't count as an action so it's similarly similar to like acquiring a lock right you're, you're not taking a target lock action you're acquiring a lock so because of that you are the action you're taking is just hondo itself right the crew card so you can jam one ship coordinate another and then take a stress and coordinate again with Noden's ability so you're getting two coordinates off and the list that i was uh, flying against he had three y-wings with uh r3 astromechs so, you know, the double lock ones. So mm -hmm. first turn, he would just double lock two rocks with every single ship. So he would jam off one of the two useless <laughs> target locks that he has on the rocks. And then he would give them like a focus, whatever, and then coordinate somebody else later on and give them like a boost or whatever that they needed. So they, they, it was just such a crazy efficient list. Um, it, 
I ended up winning that game um, just barely, but it was uh, it was seeing Noden used in a way that I've never imagined. Now it is very pricey. Um, I believe it's fifty eight points just for that combo because um, he had the, the R two Astromic on it. Um, but it was just it was a, a crazy interaction I've never seen before with it. Yeah. So you can put Corsella on there too. <laughs> You can put Corsella yeah. on there too, and then when That's you do the a blue maneuver, you just mm-hmm. you just clear everything. You yeah, clear both your stress. Oh my god! That's um, what I used to run it actually with C three PO and Corsella, and you would get the free calculate action after you did a coordinate, and then you can focus or target lock, and and uh, after that as well. And it was just such a crazy efficiency list. It's really good. So he must have had Hondo, Corsella, R two, and Sync Laser Cannon. Correct. So no, no, no Corsella, because remember, Hondo's coordinate or Hondo's action is white, right? So he gets no stress from Hondo. So mm. after he performs that Hondo, he takes a stress from coordinating the second time. So he double coordinates and, of course, jams somebody and only ends up with one stress. So he has the R4 Astromech, which lets him do a blue maneuver, clears the stress the next turn, and then do it over again. So it's it's really effective because you're only taking one stress out of all that. So what other crew did he have on there, you said? Just Hondo. Just Hondo by himself and uh, and an R4 Astromech. That's it. And no laser cannon either? Nope. Wow. He, that's a he 40... was using it as a pure support. That's yeah. 44 points. That's it. That's that's yep. how much that is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, exactly. There you go. If you take Corsella, then you can focus. Yep. I, I like the Corsella on there. That seems good to me, too. But, hey, I don't know. Like... I don't know. This is crazy. This is this is a crazy list. This is crazy. I this is this is something we should we should put on stream. I I would play this list just for the <laughs> hell of it. I don't know why. So why did he want the Y wings? Is it just because they're cheap? So he had um in this particular build he had three Y wings with wartime loadout. So he's that's nine health on each Y wing, with proton bombs and ion cannons and um and optics on each one of them and uh, there were the initiative two ones they were tanky extremely tanky and they can just control the board with ions so you're either going to take the the shots out front for pure damage or you're going to get the ions out the side and um he he was actually pretty good i was running my ezra list uh against it um he burned down um um my list with ions controlling them and just having them just run into the bombs but eventually Corrin uh, pulled through for me to just like get, get out of dodge and just finish off the, the rest of the Y wings. But yeah, that was a tough match. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That is, uh, I don't know. That seems, that seems pretty good. I, I, at least, at least just for the hell of, of playing. Right. It seems pretty good. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. I, so, I, I agree, Greg. That the uh, the T seventies are probably a, a better call um, because they can they can get around better. And you're yeah with advanced protons, that's a pretty solid list there. Yeah. As I say, because this this list here, even this this list to me, I would run this over that one. Yeah. That's just me though. I, this is more my play style. Nah, uh, I play Droid Sworn, but um, yeah. But this this fits more my play style than the other one is more Charles. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is yep. Uh, this this fits uh, the tractor beam. Maybe not. I might 
swap that out. Um, but it has its uses. Um, and and the, the one thing that really opened my eye up, uh, my eye up to Tractor Beam was uh, one of the old archetypes with Dooku heightened perception Tractor Beam, and then I believe five Vulture Droids um, that won a uh, one of the the big events. So you heighten perception Dooku to initiative seven Tractor Beam um, your target into the arc of all your droids, and now they have minus one agility. And you have a bunch of droids that are tokened up and just take them out. And this could definitely work in the same archetype. And you're getting shot by a bunch of T-70s, um, especially if you can manage to get the, the target locks uh, on early. And then they just throw APT double modded onto a tractor unit that, that can wipe them out. That's yeah. true. I, and I like those B. I've been very high on those BB Astro Max since I had to play against those that one time. <laughs> I never knew they those things really did anything yeah. until then either so they're cheap yeah they're good yeah all right so why don't we go before we move into a few other things why don't we go through um our matchups real quick so these are our crate cup matchups for the week essentially we have um god i don't even remember the name of the i don't know who the name of it is that we're playing against i gotta go look it up i feel bad Carolina something or other. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Carolina. Oh my god, I gotta look it up either. Yeah, you know you're killing me. Whatever. Anyway, we're playing some Carolina. It's not, it's not the Carolina crates, so it's the Carolina something brothers. But essentially, George, Matt, and Josh. And so, John's matchup is gonna be against two tie defenders. <laughs> um. So I don't know. I'm pretty sure John will have that one. Carolina Constant Constantinas. There you go. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I like the tie defenders, but I don't know if they're gonna be able to be much match for uh ion throwing Nora and four X Wings. So Um I think that if I was playing the tie defender list, um, you just play KG as much as you can with a tie defender and just try to get behind them because either Vader or Rexler gets behind and they're just going to start, you know, just wrecking ships. Now, the one thing that um, that Charles has in his favor for that, um, or actually, John. no, John, yeah, the what John has in his favor is the, the, the beefiness of the X-Wings because they can take a hit. And I'm pretty sure that um, they're not going to run the tie defender elite title because there's no reason to for this. But um, but yeah, if uh, if he catches one of those tie defenders in arc, um, or if they get ioned, you can pretty much kiss that tie defender goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I would say this is probably a little bit more in favor of John. I mean, and yeah, they do have those turnarounds. I think Rexler is the bigger one that you have to worry about, not uh, more than Vader. Like Vader is going to hit you really hard. But uh, that that Rexler Brath being able to do different different turn maneuvers means he's gonna have to space his X wings out. Uh, the next list is Bosk, Fen, and Old T uh, for against Charles's V wings and Y wing and R two D two Y wings. Um, uh, I don't know how good a matchup this is, but I could tell you right now at least Charles will know how to fly against it. Um. And yeah. I, I, I think with the points going up on Zam, so they have 16 points left to play with. 
Um, I don't know if the if they waste eleven points on Sam. I, I just I don't see it. I don't see that as a what I would spend my points on personally. I mean, the Fangs are are so efficient that I mean, at minimum you can just put Fearless, so that's six points. And how much do they have left? Then he's gonna have they ten got... points left. Uh, okay, so you just put Fearless on Fen, you can leave Tarok with nothing, and then just put Zam Greedo on uh on Bosk, right. and then yeah, and and you're good there. I just want to see how many um how many bombs can explode around Bosk at the same time. <laughs> that's just yeah. what I want to see. Yeah, that's yes, exactly. Yeah, they, uh, that's what I'm hoping, and and I think that at least Charles will have an advantage playing against this list because he knows how that list flies. So like it, there won't be a guessing game, um, yeah. Proxy City, yes, that's actually how Charles has been running those V wings. So I 100% expect to see proxies. Um, I I do I do expect Charles to take proxies. I guess I should give Charles's gameplay away, but that's probably what Charles will do. <laughs> oh yeah, he's been getting really good with those uh. With those V-Wings, just setting him up when he needs to to just drop uh, ordinance whenever he needs to. He's really good at that now. Yep. And Bosk will only be, unless somebody, unless he does something where he can shed stress, Um, and he's only got one one churn yeah. where he can sit there. <laughs> yeah. After that, no way. All right. And then I'm playing against Josh, and he's got a tie silencer for Kylo, Hollow, and the Interceptor, Scorch, and Lieutenant Revis in FOs. Um, they've only got nine points to play with. I assume they're going to put extreme maneuvers on Kylo, sensor scramblers, which will come in on Kylo again. And I think that puts him at five points, so that gives him four points to play with. Um, probably maybe ion torpedoes. Now I'm thinking fanatical, um, fanatical, at least on on Scorch and possibly Hollow. Um, those are one points apiece, and once you you know strip those shields, they that's that's easy for them. You know they could just take an evade and get a free uh, focus mod on offense. Um, yep. So yeah, yeah, yep. So yeah, so extreme maneuvers. I think the bigger issue is going to be Kylo outmaneuvering the droids. I think that's going to be the biggest issue. So. I th I don't but really hollow is not I'm not I don't worry about hollow uh scorch and revis is I I could probably burn one if they get close enough I could burn one of them down a churn so um if not both of them in a churn and eh, that's probably that's being pretentious so one in a churn I could probably burn down easy um and I it, Kyle's really the bigger question I don't know how Josh flies so I don't know if Josh is going to fly KG or if it's going to be this, you know, if he's going to bring Kylo in for some aggro and then, you know, run away after that, right? Yeah, I mean, if I were to play this list, I think that um, I would set up Hollow, uh, Scorch, and Revis together because they can just, like, pass around tokens or provide tokens as needed. And then Kylo, uh, with Sensor Scramblers, he can get in really far um, or really fast and then just get out whenever he needs to and then just re-engage whenever he needs to. So um, I, uh, a good pincer to try to pull away some of your droids so that way you don't get the full offensive potential um, would be a good tactic to try to counter you. Yep. And I'll probably just do the same thing I always do, fly in a block. <laughs> yep. Put Watt behind it. Watt will dance. Which side? Who's going to come in? And hope TV I can 94? catch Kylo. TV 94 uh, this time? 
this time it will definitely be TV 94. They have, yeah. they, between Hollow and Kylo being able to dodge bullseyes, I, I can't take the risk this time. Yeah, exactly. Yep. In a, should I say maybe I'll run independent calculates? Ooh. I, I, I might do it. I might do it just, just cause I can't, I don't know. John, if John re- hears this, he's going to shoot me. That's I, I bet you John just I bet you I just summoned John to the chat. That's what's gonna happen. John's gonna be like, God damn it. I told you not to run those. Those are stupid. Don't do that, Chris. Uh all right. So let's let's move on to so I, we talked about statistics, right? And I want to talk statistics because uh we what we did is we took all the GSP stuff and I put them into percentages, right? And we did this, what was this like three weeks ago, JJ? Was this three yeah, weeks ago? That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we I added the um the new Alderaan in, right? And so I guess maybe I should make it a little smaller because it's probably harder to read. There we go. Now it's I don't know. I if if you can't see it on the stream, let me know and I'll I don't know what to do, but I'll do something. There we go. Yep. Alright. So essentially what it is is there's our Empire so this is our, and we're not going to go through because we already did that last week. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time tonight going through all that. But I think the interesting thing here to see is Alderaan, right? You had Empire was 15 and a half percent of the overall, um, the overall, whatchamacallit, uh, tournament. And they had zero make cut. Uh, first order was less than 24% and 25% make cut. Rebel was less than, or 10%. And twelve and a half made cut. Uh, Republic came in at over twelve and a half, and only nine and a half made cut. Resistance was fourteen ish percent, and twelve and a half made cut. Scum was only not even eleven and a half. It was only eleven percent essentially, and came in at twenty two percent of the cut. And then same with Separatist. Separatist was only 12 and a half, 12 and a quarter percent of the total population. And they came in at almost 19% of the cut. So the points changes, you can see in extended where they've hit. I think some of it is a little bit meta based, right? You know, like we know what we're, we're fighting dash dash was uh, the big meta monster that people were worried about. And so people teched against that type of a thing um, for Alderaan, but I just think it's super interesting to all of a sudden see scum go back up. And now if you look at overall numbers, right? Your overall numbers show favorable in separatist in scum. And that's about it. So scum and separatist are the two clear winners here for that. Yeah, I think that makes sense mainly because um, I, I think the era Zam definitely helped those two factions a lot. Um, that was probably one of the most popular upgrades for both factions um, across the board where, um, you know, you were getting just that that efficiency out of that list, right? You know, you're taking a shot, you get a free target lock, or if they ignore you and you're an arc, you're getting a double tap. Um, I think that definitely had a lot to do with the strength of those um, those factions just making the top cut. That and Django Fett being an I-6 fire spray, um, <laughs> that, that was just really, really good. Um, the scum, the scum faction also has one of the best, or, or in my opinion, one of the better, uh, swarm lists, you know, with the M3As, um, Octocon, uh, really good as well with, um, with, uh, the mixed arms with like, including, um, the Fang fighters in there as well. Um, and you know, there's, there, there's just a lot of good, 
good list, a lot of uh, very good um, medalists that you can get out of those factions. Um, that if you play them well, that's that's one thing that you're going to do well in tourneys. Yep. So here's here's the breakdowns um, for all of the different ones combined, right? And I did I did this is what we looked at three weeks ago without Alderaan, and then this is what happens when you add Alderaan into the mix. So, as you can see, Empire was 15%. They were 15.26% total, but their top cut rating went down 2%, essentially. And, and that's because they had nothing in cut. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Whereas First Order, uh, they only had one tournament that had the new ships in it, and that this is the new one that has extended and allows for them. You can see where they've increased. More people are flying. Um, Rebel was 18 and a half and 18 and a half. The, they actually went down. Um, and that's because they're giving up some of that um, popularity right to first order. That was a thing. Um, Republic was 11 and 11. They stayed 11 and 11, so that didn't really change. Resistance, it was 11 and 12, and they were essentially uh, 11 and a half now and 12, so Resistance had a little bit more. Again, probably stealing, you know, from the overall Republic se Rebel section. Um, Scum was 18 and 18 and a half. They went down, but then their cut percentage went up. <laughs> And separatists stayed almost neutral. So, yeah, it's just it's to me it's interesting, right? Because you can obviously you can obviously see the effect of the new wave um, that came in between these these twenties um, affect the, the factions. Um, the first order getting the the bomber and the whisper on their pack um, definitely made them a powerhouse. Uh, because obviously, every time when there's a new card introduced to the game most of the time it's going to impact the game or that faction that it's meant for. In this case, uh, especially in Alderaan, you did see a very big increase in the use of the bombers. Um, just, you know, having that uh, that system phase boost into a bomb um, be very effective um, for that uh, for that that particular faction versus the other, the other um, factions that didn't get or weren't affected as much. Um, Empire not making the cut in Alderaan was definitely a surprise. Um, but at the on the other hand, their toys or their their crews or upgrades that they normally use that made them successful that helped them get into the cut um, were increased in points. Um, I'm looking at discipline in, in particular. Um, that was something that was really big. Yeah, and the V ones as well. Um, I think that um, the hype of the other factions also draw more people to those factions as well to try to play them as well. Um, but I think there's, there's still hope for those other factions that uh, there's combos that are yet to be discovered. Yep. And so now it, it, I, I went ahead and threw these in here. The, these are with the Alderaan in them. Um, and this is kind of your extended versus hyperspace, which all of this is changing, which actually really, it doesn't suck that they're making a change in hyperspace. What sucks is, is that it's going to be really hard to analyze after this. And I'm not super excited about that. Um, and I've been trying to get people in the community to get together and work with me. Like I would like to use list, like that list fortress and meta wing and, and actually take this raw data and get something better. Like I would like to go back to list fortress and be like, Hey, how do we pull some of this data out of there? Because some of the things we're missing is some of the other larger tournaments in person tournaments that I, I'm not, I have not added to this. This is literally just GSP stuff. That's it. Um, 
for right or wrong or indifferent, this is where I spent my time um, doing doing the stuff. I, I guess if somebody wanted to pay me a full salary every year, maybe I would, you know, do that. But I, I don't think AMG can afford to do that at this point. Yeah, and that's that's a tough thing about now, right? Is that you know we're we're in a post COVID world right now where uh, we don't have like those major regional events going on where we can get. Um, more raw data for like those particular types of events, right? Where you have a, a mass gathering of a lot of people in one area to play for um, competitive play. And that, that does set a trend, at least in previous years when we did do that, that used to set the trend for like what was coming or what worked in the meta um, for every type of faction. And without having that particular raw data, we're relying more on these events, right? The GSP being one of the most popular ones um, because they they do have a following worldwide, where they do events in every time zone to try to attract players all around the world to do it, um, and it's it, it's basically what we can rely on right now in terms of numbers. Yep, and I think you can see the big thing here, right? Is is my the difference between what I call the first point change and the second point change, right? If you look at Empire, the first in extended, the first point change. And the second point change, there's a huge drop, almost a 10% drop in making cut, right? Um, whereas first order went the opposite way. Rebel went up, you know, um, which is weird. I don't know why Rebel went up that much, but even with Dash's nerf and the increase to Hera, freaking Rebel just keep coming back. They don't stop. Um, and I wonder if that's just because people didn't discover some of that. Resistance is up. Um, uh, Republic is up overall. Scum is actually down, right? And, and we know why. And then Separatists are down. So even though they showed up here as higher, they're actually down overall. You know, um, I'm actually surprised about the Republic because um, out of all the different like packs that have come out recently for for X Wing, uh, the Republic has seen the least amount of change because they don't have a lot of options in terms of cards that they can use specifically for their factions that come out in other packs. Um, the only thing that I can think of in recent memory is maybe Malice for Anakin on the Ada 2. And beyond that, there's not much that they can really use. Um, they, they are kind of starting for more content right now, and hopefully you know, we'll get that with the new packs coming out next quarter. But um, I'm just surprised that they've actually seen an uptick in use, um, despite the, not having that much new new content for their faction. Fair enough. Um, all right. So that was the extent that I had for the GSP stuff, right? Did you have anything else you wanted to cover on the GSP side before we moved on? Nope. Let's go. All right. So. Um, a couple of the things that I had, you know, I wanted to talk about was right. Uh, the, the list fortress, is it called meta wing? I don't know what it's called. Right. Um, but that's, that's essentially what it is. And, and so when we talk through, through this meta wing, essentially is taking everything list fortress and trying to break it down and say, what, what percentages are this? What is this? Show me the numbers. And when we originally had the first conversation about road, right or before or rpo beforehand there was a huge conversation about aces right how does this kill aces how does it do that all these other god awful questions so the only way to ever analyze these things is to is to take that in my opinion right you know like we can yep. all feel that this sucks and we can all play games ourselves 
and tested ourselves. We can do all those things. But the big thing, right, is to <clears throat> is to honestly understand and say, okay, where does the data take us? And, 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 and I've argued this in the past, heavily argued this in the past, that what we should be doing is working towards having that conversation in a, in a, in a data-driven world. And this is where GSP comes in, right? GSP has done a very good job at doing this. And I know that I don't, I, how about this? AMG can't acknowledge it. I don't give a shit, right? I, I don't care. I apologize for the curse words, but like, it's like, whatever, man. Like I'm all for us doing our own analysis and, and, and we don't need AMG to have these conversations. But what it does then is it gives people um, in the community that may have a little bit more buying power, I guess, um, with AMG to be able to go back to them and, and send them emails and talk to them, you know, collectively and say, hey, he, here's what we've been testing. Here's what you see, right? Um, so where, where do you want to start, I guess, with, with Metafortress? Uh, let's start with uh, with the archetypes just to go from there, and then we can dive into more specifics for, like, pilots and stuff. Okay. All right, so you have a link. So the, the archetypes that we have, right, is there's a couple of different um, uh, archetypes, right? You know, and in their, in their terminology, and this is very important, especially when we analyze things, is to talk about how they, term, how, how they relate them, right? So to us, it's a list, list archetypes. To them, it's ship combos. So essentially, it's how they see, I guess I should bring it up on screen. That would be logical, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So here we have, and this even has the new stuff in it, right? Here you have the ability to filter between, you know, date sets, large tournaments. Um, they have a whole weight system that we could get into. Um, you, not only that, you can actually download these as CSV files if you want. Um, I won't tell you they're super easy to use because they're not, but it is there, right? And so these are so these archetypes that you see here is what their alcoholic dash. All right. I <laughs> that's new. This is because this it was drives not you here when we looked at this three weeks ago. It drives you to drink, that's why. Yeah. Is that why? Is that who, who name who names these? That's what I want to know. If you are watching this and you name these or you know somebody whoever names these, have them send me I, I would love to know who names this because that's that is hilarious. I never, ever, ever, ever would have thought of that. Oh, mm. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so so here is the different. So here you can see the different type of archetypes. Now, uh, the sad thing about this is they should actually categorize these into different. The way I would like to see it is a lot different, right? Like I would like to see different, like to a subclass of archetype, you know, that's what I would like to see. I would say, you know, let's let's call the list what it is. And then let's talk about what types they are because you have ace builds, right? And ace builds are your, you know, three ship builds that have that tactical advantage that move after you. Um, you have points fortressing lists, you have utility builds, and then you have swarms, right? Um, and then I would, I, I guess inside of that utility build is kind of where you get your beef. That's where your beef comes in, right? You know, you have yeah. ships that are very heavy duty. But it also gives you kind of that efficiency build, right? Where you see here, I've got four, three B wing, V wings and two Aether sprites, right? Mm -hmm. I'm getting efficiency, and it's not all just like I've got twenty health, and I'm gonna move one in a block and and not do anything, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and those um, those I think are becoming more and more common uh, now with the meta, um, particularly looking at the the last Alderon, um, like the top list there that that made it up there. Uh, the first order is moving more towards those utility lists. You know, you would have like two bombers and then like a um, an ace type platform, and then another one um, just like kind of plowing the field as is because it gives you more it gives you more uh, flexibility to deal with other type of uh, of lists or other archetypes. And, um, and you have a lot of different weapons to adjust to that. So I think that's becoming more and more predominant. Yep. And, and, and like I said, that that's why I would like to see this type of a, a thing with like two different archetypes, right? Like we're going to call it kind of what it is. We're going to standardize, have a standard drop down and then, and then you can kind of go, okay, well, based on that, it's, this type of a, a build, but th- that that goes back to again. I do this, did that for a living, you know, for the last six years, right? That's <laughs> I spent time having to figure out how to categorize things and, and present the clients and things like that. Um, so what's interesting here, right, is and, and we could talk through this is these are not set up right based on how many wins they have or anything like that. They look at a weighted score and it kind of goes through here. So you have to be kind of careful. Um, like So for example, here, here's a T70 and four Y-Wings. You think that's good? I don't know. It says it's good. It, it could be because um, particularly with the, the resistance Y-Wings, um, they, have, um, they have the ability to have wartime loadout um, that makes them really tanky. Um, or you can equip them with an ion cannon and an engine upgrade and they can boost calculate. Um, and they can just control the board and your T70 acts as a hammer. Um, so this is, this could be a pure utility type list in my opinion for this. Um, it, it offers a lot of control for minimal upgrades. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. So like I said, the, the big thing I don't like about the archetype discussion on this part is I don't believe these are true archetypes. Just my opinion. Yeah, these these and that's the thing with our touch, right? Like you have a general idea for like the type of list you want to build, right? Using particular ship chassis. And then you go from there and you build according to how you want to play. Like you sub in particular pilots that you want to put in, you sub in particular upgrades that you want to put in. This gives you an idea of what you want to build around, and then you tweak it according to how how you feel the most comfortable with. Um, for instance, like the um, on on the previous screen there, the resistance transport pod or the the transport pod with the four T70s, um, you can adjust that to make that rose with C3PO and then just Papa, and then you have two other T70s that can do it, or you can change it with Finn, um, and then generic uh, T70s. Um, same type of ships, but they work completely different, right? You still have the same amount of chassis, but the pilots change what that particular list can do. So I think these are, are good formats or at least uh, templates to build a list around of because they they have shown that they can work, you know, if they've flown properly or uh, according to how you feel the most comfortable with and um, and get, you know, a lot of practice and to become efficient with that list. Yeah, exactly. So moving on to pilots. So here I just refresh it. This this now tells you the most popular type pilots, right? Um, and again, I'm not a hundred percent sure. You know, they're saying the separatist drone is the new most popular one. 
again, the problem is, is when you can put seven of them of them in the list, right? They show up more. It's just the yeah. fact. So like, yeah, there has to be a way to, a way to weight that and extract those out of there. Right. Yeah, I think so. I, in, I think the reason why it it's uh, number one on there is because of that. Right. You know, you have, um, you can put a lot of them on the board. So, you know, they make more appearances technically. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. And the other thing is I don't like that. I can't change it now. So Katana, there you go. So that she's, she's number two and that's with all the droids. So you know, once you kill droids, you got to sell Katana. And, you know, I think that's, that makes sense. Um, you know, for it, they have Tivi tab up there. I, I don't think that makes sense again, either. Uh, Jess Pava, right. There's dash Rendar. And again, some of these ships extend farther back, like, right. So there's that again, it does skew the data a little bit because of that dash has been around for forever, you know, and dashes. And when dash was too, was overpointed, people didn't fly them. Once they lowered points, all of a sudden here he comes back. He was really popular when they converted. Then he kind of drops off a little bit and then comes back because they reduce his point cost because they're like, nobody's buying them. I don't even think you can buy a YT2400 right now. Um, every once in a while, they pop up sometimes on, online, but yeah. So if anybody has one they want to sell to me at a reasonable price, I want it just so I can fly it against... Um, a guy at my local. We have an inside joke about how much we all hate Dash, but it would be funny during our local tournament if I just like brought Dash and be like, "What guys? I don't know what to tell you. You know, I'm just bringing the winning stealth list." Device. Yeah, <laughs> stealth the hell yes, stealth device. No way would I not put stealth device on Dash. Anyway, obviously you can see Harris up here, right? Uh, Luke's a popular one. Poe, um. Uh, Poe's pretty popular. Kylo Ren is, and again, we actually, this is where we should dig into that data because to me, all of a sudden we go, okay, well, hold on. Here we go. Who's, who's the better pilot for the price, right? How do we come up with that? Who's won more tournaments? I think Kylo Ren and maybe Kylo gets more, um, more love because FO for a long time had nothing but Kylo to some extent, right? I mean, they had Malrus and they had FO Swarm and they had all those things, but Kylo has always been a staple. Kylo can go into almost any list you want him to, and he's going to do good, like period. Unless you don't know how to fly Kylo like me, and he just dies. One of the two. <laughs> so I think the popularity of Kylo is due to the lack of other options for his type. So being the only Force user in the, the First Order, um, we all know that the Force is good. Having just two force tokens on him is just is really good because that gives him the flexibility to um, go without any upgrades, still be very effective with a target lock or just double reposition, and you have two soft mods right there with the force. Um, even with the the whisper, um, you know his, him on the whisper. He's I, I've seen him flown quite a few times just because of that. You know he has that extra. Um, he has that extra force to just modify dice on offense and defense. And no other pilot in the first order has that. I think that if and when they ever do release any other pilots uh, that have the force that can use it um, on the first order, you might see a dip in popularity um, because I don't. It's not very often that I see. I'll show you the dark side from the silencer, 
and every once in a while I see the whisper trigger um, for for his ability to flip a, a face down into a crit, and sometimes that can matter. But um, what I see 100% of the time is just, you know, abuse the force just for mods, and that's what it is, free mods. Yep. So the question I have is, it could can FO ever have a force user, another force user is like I mean, could you can we put Ray in FO? I no. think that after Rogue Squadron, whenever it comes out, <laughs> we okay. might see something there. Um, or maybe perhaps in the um in like the other shows like Mandalorian or something like that, you know, we might be introduced to other Inquisitor type pilots um that may have worked for the Empire. Um, I think we might see something there. So in three years we'll get we'll get that in three years it'll be three years oh, yeah. though because it's it's got to go through testing and creation so it'll be so three four years, years really. <laughs> yeah four years uh, i guess kylo you're gonna have to be you're gonna have to be the bride here so um i don't think jake is a, a, a surprise um i think this black sun aces again this is where the data gets a little screwed you know um um, I actually believe Black Sun Aces because I've actually seen quite a few um, lists built with Black Sun Aces. Um, you can actually fit four of them with um, with Predator uh, or the or BB Astromech, and that gives you the essentially double reposition whatever you need to um, for a minimal cost. And you can fit four of them in there, um, or you can just fit them with Heroic, and that they're actually really good. There's there, that's a solid list. And then you have Kyle, Cathar, and Wedge. I, I guess we don't have to go through all these. I'm surprised Darth Vader Defender shows up before Darth Vader. But yeah, that's surprising to me too. Yeah. And I do wonder, maybe it's a date range. Oh, you know what? I bet you this is my fault. Could be user. You never know. <laughs> I wonder how far back I can actually go with this before it it errors out. <laughs> All right, so that was my fault. That was only a month's worth of data. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but right. I mean, reality that's that's what you're looking at now, right? With the local meta since the point change, you know, that does make sense. I think. Yeah. So if we go back a year, almost a year, Zam and Django are the highest, right? All right, so let's go back. What if we go back to 2019? Do you think that's worth going back that far? When did second nah. edition first start? Uh, 2018, I want to say. Oh, do we go all the? Do we go all the way back? 2018. No, just because of the the amount of changes in the um with the points adjustments. Yeah, they it changes the meta a lot. Okay, so either way, so Zam and Django are the highest. Um, right, Cartel Spacer, Rose, Jess Pava, here's your Baron of the Empire, Jake Farrell, Bosk, Grievous, no, su no surprise there, uh, generic X-Wings, generic Jedi Knights, Finn, uh, Brewer Quet is a little surprising to me, um, <clears throat> and maybe it's just yeah. that Django, or that Zam Brewer build that people were running for a yeah. while. Exactly, yeah, that's what it is. Lieutenant Bastion, not a surprise. Um, actually, I think that's a sleeper people miss on all the time. Uh, Sunny Bounder, Tarani. So there's Ahsoka. Fifth Brother, Lando. We just keep going. Kylo still makes the top 25. Hera makes the top 26. 
And again, you know, none of these are pointed based on um, when they got released, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so where do you want to go from here? So I think we should uh, kind of, like, define what each archetype is and, like, go from there, right? So um, let's start with the aces, right? So these are um, lists that typically have about three to four um, ships in, inside of a list that are usually at higher initiatives. Now, the reason why they're usually um, they're set at or that, that list is built like that is because they want to be able to move um, after mo uh, the other, the opponent, right? Uh, most of these our types tend to rely on having repositioning actions uh, like boost and barrel roll. Um, and if they could do them both in the same time, um, that's a great advantage to them because they rely on arc dodging. You take a look at like the Titan Interceptor, for instance, um, with the Afterburner's ability, um, you can, um, uh, if we look at Tuntir Fell, you know, at initiative six, he's moving after most ships. Um, he gets to um, see where everybody's moved, go in, boost, and then barrel out of arc, so that way he can minimize the amount of shots that he's going to take. And then if he manages to uh, get a ship inside of his bullseye, he's getting a free mod. And that's the kind of um, that's the kind of tactics that those particular t uh, ships or like builds rely on because they're trying to. Um, hit as much as they can without taking shots back and they would more more likely um disengage to get a favorable position than to stay in the scrum and continue to fight um so that's what uh ace builds um are kind of rely on there yeah and i think that that makes sense right you know like that's that's the logical aspect of that right is that they're going to be able to get in and get out and when we talk about road, that it affects them a little bit more than other people because it, it forces them to make a decision how long you stay in that fight, right? Yeah, exactly. You you don't want to bump um, with your ship because you lose that ability to reposition. Um, and with road, not having the certainty of moving first or moving second, knowing uh, where exactly you're going to put your ship, that makes that decision a lot more tougher um, for an ace. The next set is your points fortressing lists. Uh, essentially, they're lists that are built to withstand multiple rounds of engagement um, due to essentially high health or high amount of mods. Um, you know, Moldy Crow that can take three focuses at a time. Uh, pass one off if you got Kyle Katarn. <laughs> um, I don't know. Does Scum have a Kyle Katarn? No, they have the anti-Kyle Katarn. <laughs> they take okay. focuses from each other. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> you look at the double fire sprays, right? You can max them out uh, to to have all the upgrades possible. And, you know, uh, Boba Fett, for instance, right? You can spend his action to boost in to range one or boost out of arc. And you have the the rerolls at range one, right? That's a, that's a passive mod right there for him. Um, you're, you're relying on having a lot of health to survive a lot of incoming shots, but you're going to hit hard as well, right? Or like the list that you faced in your last matchup, uh, the double uh, Sith Infiltrators, you know, the high amount of health, and they can hit hard. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so so in points fortressing lists, essentially, are, are there there, there's a design issue, not issue, but there's a design reason and how they want to be played. So when you design it, you're designed to not go down on two, three, even four churns typically. So it gives you the ability to, to shoot for longer periods. 
And essentially, you're half the time you're either double tapping in some way, shape, or form, <clears throat> dash, or use the double tap you can anymore. Um, but you know, you put dash and Lando together, that that's a points fortressing, you know, ship. And I won't lie and tell you that you know, like droid swarms are not specifically points fortress ones, but when you put a, a Beelzebub in there, they they can be. My Watt has more than one time been a a points fortress for my team, you know. And the last game I played, that's that's what he was. I ran a swarm with a points fortress chip inside of there that has lots of health, can hit you hard, and run away as fast as he can, and then come back into the engagement. So, um, I don't know. What's the next? What's the next set? So the next one is something that we talked about a little bit already, uh, the utility builds. Um, you have 45 ship lists that leverage the pilots or the chassis ability. Um, they create uh, the the list intention is to have a little bit of everything. You have a little bit of support. You have a little bit of an ace. You have a little bit of a uh, like a tank in the builds. And it, en it enables you to try to deal with as many different other archetypes as possible. Um, if you're worried about swarms, you can always run one of your ships with bombs to try to discourage uh, grouping the swarms together. Um, you have at least an ace to try to counter other high initiative aces. Um, you have other uh, support ships that can work also as an ace. You take a look at like Jake Farrell, for instance, um, that can focus and then boost and give another one of his friendly ships. Uh, another focus that is a classic support piece that can also be very um, offensive with his uh, with proton rockets. Um, this list or this particular archetype, I think, is definitely becoming more and more popular with Road because this resists Road the most. This particular archetype, because even if you um, like mess up with one of your ships, your the rest of your list can bail you out. You know, they can come in to give you the necessary actions that you need to or bring the necessary amount of pressure onto a particular target to help you um, to help you recover from like a misstep. Exactly. Yep. And I think that's that I think that has to be that, like we said earlier, is the most popular one. Right. It, it just is, you know, uh, though uh, swarms are up there. Swarms are the next one. Right. Uh, those essentially, okay, and I'm going to dictate a swarm is six to eight ships. I, I, I'm sorry, I know people don't, people want to talk about five ship swarms. I don't think a five ship is a swarm. Sorry. I just, I, I don't believe it. I don't care, I guess. Um, yeah, you hear the term mini swarms tossed out a lot, but for me, it's like, oh, it's more of a utility build, honestly. But yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep, you're just building it a little different, you know, like John for T7 or T65s and Nora is not a swarm. I and we everybody we face tells us, "Oh, it's three swarmless." No. <laughs> it's two swarmless and one utility list. But it looks yeah. like a swarm because you're spamming, you know, you're spamming that specific one ship, right? That's why. That's why people see that. Um, yeah, and, and that's the difference, right? Like swarms, you're just throwing as many bodies as possible to try to overwhelm with numbers. And a utility build, you're using the chassis ability to to make it effective, right? And uh, in John's list, is, uh, for instance, the, the, the T-65s, they're, they're tanky enough that they can survive one to two hits. And then at the same time, they can deal damage with those three red dice. And then uh, Nora just comes in to help give that extra bit of control. So that way the rest of the ships can come in and take out their the target. 
So that to me feels more of a utility bill more than a swarm because you're you're leveraging um, you're not exactly tossing a T70 just to get killed immediately. You're using the, the T7 or the T65's ability to go in, um, get get punched and punch back even harder as much as you can. Exactly. Yep. <clears throat> and I think that's the that that's the big thing right there, right? It, 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 the difference there. And I run swarmless uh, a lot. It's it's a thing of mine. I even today when I did my practice runs with John on things, I ran a swarmless, and that's just that's that's what I. That's where I feel comfortable running. Uh, one of these days, I'll run a tie swarm list because that would be fun. But I don't own enough ties, so I'll be done. Hey, online. I think that once they release the new pack, uh, like pilot pack, I'm pretty sure they're gonna include um, probably some tie pilots from the Mandalorian. And hey, I, I honestly think we're gonna see an S foils type card for the tie fighter. That's also gonna work for the V wing. And that's going to be great. Yeah. That'll be sweet. Yeah. Can you imagine like boosting with a tie fight? Oh, give me a boost focus. Ooh, oof. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> don't do that to me, JJ. Don't do that to me. We're still on air. I don't want to, I don't want to get banged. Yeah, sac sacrifice the bot slot and you don't give yourself a configuration that gives you more stuff. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, in, in so the answer is yes. Um, I am going to LVO, uh, John, the guy, John and Charles. So Charles is not on tonight. He had a family emergency come up, uh, that he had to take care of. Um, so Charles is going, I'm going, and then our buddy John is going. And one of the older hosts, Matt, may be going. He's a 50 50, probably going to be no, but I don't know. JJ, are you going to LVO? I am trying to, um, but at this point, the odds for me are about 30%. So. Gotcha. But yes, we, we are planning to go. I, I would like to, uh, we are planning to, and I'm going out actually early. <laughs> so John and I are, are both going out. I'm going out Thursday afternoonish, Um, And then, um, yeah, I'm going out Thursday afternoonish, And then I'm not, I'm flying back like Monday early. So I'm going, I, I might try to change my Monday flight so I don't have to get up at like 6 a.m. But, um, yeah, those early flights suck. I'm not a morning person at all. Heck no. Uh, we had not decided what we're going to fly, but if you pay, if, if you, the probability is, um, I will be flying some sort of a swarm list. Uh, the, the high probability is that I think it all, how about this? Everything depends on whether they drop the Mandalorian ship on us or not. If they drop Which the Mandalorian ship, it's going to be really hard not to run that just because it's iconic but the problem uh, the probability is is that i will run um either a, a a swarm list or i'll probably run i'll be running how about this i will be running separatist 90 percent sure so i was gonna say you know if <clears throat> it, it also depends on the timing right because if they release it with like maybe two weeks before lvo will you get enough reps to try to still run that as a viable option uh yes <laughs> we will make it happen <laughs> there will be some way to make that happen um i don't know because that'll be the argument because charles is probably going to run republic um instead of in, instead of scum and that's surprising yeah yep but if they drop the mandalorian it's going to be really hard for him not to do that yeah exactly yeah 100 yeah. percent. if they drop the gauntlet fighter i'm 100 percent running um <laughs> scum because it's gonna have maul in it so uh, I I think if I was going to LBO, 
Um, I, I think I actually might give my Ezra build a, a shot. Oh, you run your Ezra build? Yeah, that'd be fun. So no, there's no secrets. We're not. Uh, if we find something that works super well that hasn't been discovered, we will not release it on the stream. But um, usually that's a John thing. I'm not. I'm a list builder to some extent, but 90% of the time I'm wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've tried Hondo too many times. <laughs> so um, yeah. I but I think it's going to be a swarm of some sort. That's 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 my comfort level. Um, and again, yeah, if they drop that pilot pack too, everything changes, right? I, I, that's the thing. If, if that actually, if anything actually comes out or if they change the rules so much that it, it won't, that things get screwed up, I might have to change. But based on everything they've told us, uh, the probability of me running a swarm is really high. So, and I'll probably fly Friday too, actually. I think I have, I think I bought my ticket for Friday, but I'm not sure. Um, I'll double check that. Uh, I think I did Friday though, because I wanted Saturday to do side events, um, if they have any. So, and then I bought the Sunday side event. <laughs> now we're getting sidetracked into the LVO discussion, but I did buy the Sunday, um, side event in case I don't make top cut. And if, if you are going to LVO and you don't know this, Dion and, and Ryan have already said that, um, or D young D and Ryan have already said that. It is 100% going to be refundable for your Sunday ticket if you make cut. So um, that's awesome. You know, so there's no reason to just phone it in. So we're going to go um, hope to make cut. I hope there's enough people that will be a, at least a top 32 cut, is what I'm holding, hoping, if not a top 64. So, but I'm guessing it'll be just top 32. I don't think they'll get enough people to have the top 64 cut, but that would be fun, right? That would be fun. Got to figure a way to get you to come out too. Yeah, I I would love to go definitely, but it would depend largely on my job. Um, they're still adjusting to new protocols for COVID and stuff, so it may require me to um, to be in the office for certain days. So that that's going to play a factor. Gotcha. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I was hoping that they have a bunch of side events for Saturday too. If not, I, if if they don't start releasing some stuff for Saturday, I will be actually looking at what else is there to play. Um, and there, I came from Star Wars Destiny, so there is there. I'm I'm hoping maybe they'll have a Star Wars Destiny tournament with one of the uh with one of the extended groups that have been trying to keep that game going, and I would actually play in that. I I would if that was on Saturday, I would play in that. All right. Anything yeah. else you wanted to cover uh, before we move move on? No. Um, so I think we should go into um, into how to play against these particular type of archetypes. <laughs> so your whole crew's playing Saturday and Friday. All right. Well, hopefully I don't lose them because all the good players are playing Friday. I was hoping to get in there where there would be a lot less players on Friday. <laughs> um, yeah. So okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about. Um, new players and archetypes, right? You know, uh, since that's kind of a feature of the show, well, let's go through that. So why don't you kick it off with, uh, with, with the aces, right? Yeah. So I, I do want to preface this particular part to let, you know, for newer players to encourage them to try to test everything that you can. 
Um, even if you're a single faction or dual faction player, um, you know, take the time to try to like borrow a friends list, somebody who has a different faction from you to try to learn, um, or at least be familiar with that particular ship, right? Because information is power. The more that you are familiar with how a ship moves, um, when its abilities can be, the better you can plan, um, to like whenever you face them across the board from you, right? Um, understanding their functionality, you know, it's kind of like that fr uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer type of philosophy um, and making sure that you're familiar with your opponents less as much as you can so that way there's less surprises. Um, if you're planning to play competitively, you don't want to be caught off guard um, by like an ability that you don't understand or an interaction that you don't understand. And if you do end up in that type of situation, always ask your opponent. You know, most people are more than willing to help you understand a particular type of ability or interaction or the timing of it. So that way um, you can kind of get an idea what, what that looks like. Um, the other thing is uh, play your list, right? If you're going to a tournament with this, any type of particular type of archetype, um, practice as much as you can, um, especially with like swarms, um, practice your openings. You know, um, I, a program that I like to use a lot that's readily available for everybody is Fly Casual. Um, it's a really great uh, free app that you can go in to play against AI. Um, AI is not particularly smart, but it definitely helps you get an idea for spacing between ships, how to set up your openings, um, to, you know, how to delay engagement, um, how to work around obstacles, um, to kind of give you an idea how far a ship can really move to weave between obstacles if you're working with, um, with like ace lists and stuff and practice as much as you can with it. Um, understand the rule of 11, um, meaning the the weight and the um, the height of a board um, is 11 bases uh, long each way. So that can kind of give you an idea how, how far it will take for you to get to uh, within range three or within an arc of another ship if you're going speed four or speed five um, and them doing the same. And that's um, those are kind of tips and tricks that you can apply to each one of these tips if you're facing against off different archetypes like aces, swarms, or utility builds. So um, for ace builds, if you're playing against an ace build, the one thing that they definitely do not like is status effect type um, type effects on their ships. Um, they definitely don't like to be ioned. Um, they will try to avoid pre-stress or post-stress, meaning being double-stressed. Um, or taking strain um, because that reduces their efficiency for actions and for repositioning. That's what, that's what they do. They try to reposition arc dodge all day and they're ioned or stressed. They're going to get shot and they don't want that. Um, strain lowers their agility, especially when you're dealing with a three agility ship that uh, could possibly get shot multiple times. Um, they want to roll as many green dice as possible to avoid getting hit. Um, and strain takes that away. They will, if you look at the Thai Baron um, for the uh, the FO, nine times out of 10, they will rather take a deplete to take a barrel action or a target lock action rather than a strain, um, especially if they're facing now one or two targets. Damn, I knew I've been playing those wrong. Yeah, yeah, because they it's easier. You you have more um, you have more probability to roll good on your on your red dice than you are with your green dice. So um, those particular type of chassis or, um, or pilots would rather sacrifice their offense in order to keep their defense, you know, dodge, arc dodge, and get out of the chassis or get out of the as many arcs as possible um, to, to remain in the game. 
Um, so when you're playing against ace builds, try to do that. If you don't have that on your on your um, if you don't have that ability to pass off stress or pass off ions onto your your enemy aces, um, your next strategy there would be to um, to try to use blocks um, effectively. Now we know that AMG is considering um, changing the blocking rules down the future. Um, and of course, that will definitely change the game eventually. But for the time being, blocking is definitely a very good strategy. Um, going back to the rule of 11, if you know how far a ship can move forward, um, you can see where they're going to end up if they attempt to try to get behind you or if they try to run away. And if you could put one of your ships in the in the way to block them from escape, that definitely helps you out. And that and helps we, you engage them. We had that today when because John, John and I were test, testing that blocking, blah, blah, or bumping and getting the free focus for stress or whatever and it was funny because he had a wings right with intimidation figured i go shallow comes in five hards gets right up hits him gets his focus and then my droids just did the same thing did five forward <laughs> and then he couldn't he, he didn't get any shots um, wow yeah I, I think um, there's definitely a lot of tweaking that needs to be done with that particular rule change, honestly. Um, but I don't want I don't want to go into that. Time. We're not going to go into that right now. <laughs> so your your next build is right is a points fortress build, right? They're going to rely on the 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 support ships, the passive mods, uh, to help survive getting multiple shots at right. Yeah, and and you know, Sith infiltrators are only somewhat points fortresses you know because they got one green agility but dooku on the other hand has got the <clears throat> evade or the the cloaking uncloaking cloaking uncloaking type thing and i think that's that's a big one right and so if, as a newer player you're you're when you see those type of lists you have to figure out how do i stay engaged and how do i whittle them down right um you're going to want to focus fire especially in those lists when you fly against aces you can't always focus fire them Right, like, how many times are you going to be able to focus fire a Darth Vader down? Probably not very often, unless that Darth Vader player doesn't know what they're doing. <laughs> now, I will tell you, in Alderaan, I faced a Vader Echo Grand Inquisitor list, and Echo didn't move far enough, and Echo got shot with four droids and pop, gone. Not even wow. there anymore. I got rid of, or was it Echo? Yeah, it was Echo. Yeah, it was Echo. I got rid of Echo. Right. You know, in the not the first engagement. Right. But the first time I caught him in the corner and he couldn't get out of my widespread shot. And so I focus fire, even though I was shooting droids through a gas cloud, which they no longer get free of AIDS. But I was shooting through the gas cloud at range two and three. But Echo still pops. It, it happens, you know, like especially once you burn that first spot. So when you're looking at force points. Points fortress ships, you have to do continue to focus fire and you have to pick what where are you gonna pick? So if you're flying against like a Kyle Katarn, um, you know, Hera in a B Wing, uh, I don't know what Jake is a popular one, you know, when you're flying against something like that, you you where's your money at, right? Hera. Hera's your money. So they're gonna hide Hera. You wanna go after Hera. Well, if you can't get Hera, focus fire in Kyle Katarn. Because then Hera can still take that focus, but Hera don't get that second focus. Because you know how Katarn's giving her a focus or an evade. No questions asked. It's not, it, like, that's just staple. Staple, staple on. Uh, right? So, fighting against points for your sips, 
you want to focus fire down to reduce them and then create inefficiency for them to get mods. So as long as they're not Nantexes, you can block them and they don't get mods. If they're Nantexes, they always seem to get something. Yeah, exactly. And then the other part of it is identifying like the danger to your list, right? Out of the two. So if you're facing a two ship list, you're taking a look at what each ship can do, right? You're taking a look at, you know, which ship can do the double mods, which one has passive mods. Um, and those are going to be the main threats to you, right? Because if you can eliminate the amount of offense that they can put out, then you have a greater chance of uh, winning the match, right? Because they, if they're important, fortressing, reducing the amount of ships that they have available to them on the board, and you knock out one of their ships, you just reduce in a two ship build, you just lost half your offense right there. And that is a very tough spot to be when you still have a lot more ships left on the board that can uh, reposition or that can just focus down another ship with multiple arcs. Yep. What's the next one? So the next one is utility builds. Um, it, the the way to deal with them is um, uh, trying to fly in loose formations. Try to uh, react to how they're 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 flying um, to it because a lot of the utility builds sometimes can spread out their ace um, on one side of the board and then keep three ships in or do two and two, and um, and they kind of support each other to try to either split up your own forces and then try to pincer you as um, in your list. So if you can set up your formation in a way that you can react, put your slower ships in the middle um, and your faster ships on the flank because they can catch up easier to help counter pincer them yourself, um, you'd be in a good spot as well. Or if you're flying a swarm against them, um, keep your block together. Um, very much like how you fly your, your uh, vultures against other, um, other lists, keeping all your ships together to focus fire on a significant or a, a very useful portion on their list helps their efficiency go down. You start eliminating options from them that helps them react better to your list. Um, for instance, a swarm would want to take out a bomber to make sure that they can't use those bombs against them to disperse your formation or take out a support ship that's dispersing extra tokens to other, uh, other parts of the list. You know, those are going to be priority targets for you because that gives them that efficiency on their list. And if you can manage to take them down first um, with a large amount of ships or with at least your best ships, that's going to help you drive the game towards your advantage. Yep. And typically those lists have bad end games. They're, if you can take out half a utility list without dying, you're, you're probably pretty golden. Um, you know, like I flew against, you know, Kyle Katarn, Luke, Hera, and Wedge in an A-Wing. And if it, at the beginning, it's really hard. But if you can get rid of, you know, Hera and Wedge, now you're down. Or you get rid of Kyle Katarn and then Hera, you're better off. That type of thing. So you just, like, that's that's what you have to do. Like, Luke can be an in-game piece. Utility builds will have in-game pieces built in. Uh, <coughs> Kylo Ren. Uh, for example, and um, but that's what you just have to you have to find. Separatists don't always have in-game pieces, but I will say Watt and Grievous have ten a tendency to be somewhat in-game pieces. And even if you take out the whole droid swarm but leave my Beelzebub on the table, it's a lot harder to deal with them if I want to disengage. So, yeah, exactly. Yep. 
And that leads us into swarms, right? So swarms yeah. are the overwhelming number. So to defend it, to beat them is you have to help create a way where they are not able to get all their moves off. You're able to block half of them. You're able to separate your list to force them to choose which target to go after. And, and a prime example is how I played on Saturday. I had Maul, they had Maul, and they had Dooku in Sith Infiltrators. I had to pick. They put them on opposite sides of the board. Do you split your swarm up, or do you just take your swarm in and go after one of them? Uh, and if you're a swarm player, that's the key. You you don't expect unless you have independent calculates and feel very comfortable that those ships are not going to be blown up. You um you you do that. Yep. And bombs. Yep. Bombs are another way against against swarms because swarms are not as maneuverable. They like to fly close together. It is a newer player. If you want bombs, you just have to make sure you clear yourself so you don't take your own bomb too. Unless you're Tavison who wants to take bombs. Um, but yeah, that's a great tactic. Actually, I love that Tavson <clears throat> trick. That's great. <laughs> you know, and, and that's anyway, that that's the thing is, is they're going to be in large groups. So, um, breaking them up is the easiest way. Bombs and obstacles, except for transforms, like to land on certain obstacles. Um, but being able to help force their wall apart or to get behind them. That's the linchpin. If you get behind droids, it's very hard for them to turn around unless they're sitting on rocks. And even then, it's very hard for them to turn around, right? Because I can't leave that rock and do a 1K to, to shoot you. It takes two turns to get in. Now, I can rotate, barrel roll off, and, and calculate, and maybe still get a shot. But typically, if I'm on a rock and you go around that rock, that droid is a support droid <laughs> for that turn. That's what that droid becomes. And that's how you, if you can get the droids to split fire to some extent, you, you, it's, it becomes better off for them. So, yeah. And the other part is, is the identification part, right? Like recognizing the strengths and weaknesses of the opponent's list. So the majority of the, the swarm list, um, usually carry a type of, uh, a ship or an ace that helps them improve the quality of the, of the swarm. If you take a look at like the TIE Fighter Swarm, the majority of them are running with Howl Runner. Um, Howl Runner allows the passive reroll for all the ships within range one. And that makes the TIE Swarm very, very effective because that makes them more accurate on offense. And if they can get that box in um, to, to a particular target, they're going to burn down that target very, very uh, quickly with that, that added role, that added mod. So um, when you're taking a look at how to counter that or like what you do to like try to defeat that particular type of swarm, you go after that linchpin, you go after that efficiency in that list to try to minimize their attacks and that helps them spread out, right? If you look at like your swarm list, for instance, you know, for your, your, um, your droids, you know, you have your your uh, Belzebub, right? That has the tactical droid that tactical droid that helps them get that additional um, either offensive bonus or defensive bonus, depending on which tactical droid you have, and that helps them stay in the game longer or punch even harder. Um, so if you take out that particular pin, um, you you reduce the effectiveness of the droids overall, and that gives you a slight advantage on how to um, kind of separate that list. Yep. Um, and go from there. Yeah. Yep. And that was <clears throat> drunken shark. Yeah. And so that's, 
that's that's very similar. And it, when I've ran this list, a lot of people are taking the drones off the board to take the firepower off. But really, what is <clears throat> what's there to distract you? So you either focus on what or you don't. And like in the last game, and I think it depends on your list and how you what you have, whether you focus on what or not. If you've got four ships that can pass tokens around and target locks around, you probably go after Watt. That's that's usually a safe bet to go after because the other droids will be easy cleanup. Um, in a two-ship list, eh, then it's a little harder to say, I want to focus fire on Watt, especially because if you're not facing me, I'm getting re-roll, you know? So not as good as yeah. Grievous, but still getting re-rolls. And the other part of, of swarm uh, of countering swarm play too is identifying those kill boxes, right? Because not all swarms uh, roll together in a buck. Um, if you take a look at the um, the the M three A swarm um, that can be filled in with like the Fang fighters, um, they they can be split up into two groups, right? You have uh, one M three A with a tractor, one M three A with an ion, and then a Fang fighter uh, to come in as the punisher. You can attract your ion, a particular opponent, into another uh, box, or you can converge those two groups together into one kill box. And recognizing where that box can potentially be is a is a way to um, to help you survive a little bit better, right? Because you don't want to be caught in that kill box to take six shots. Because for as good as your offense is going to be, unless you're facing a droid swarm and you get really good dice on both offense and defense you're not going to be deleting one of those ships early on in the engagement and you're going to take a lot of shots back proton torpedoes help i'll tell you that oh yeah <laughs> they like to eat my droid survive all right well i think that kind of concludes that that's our statistical analysis along with kind of a discussion on you know you know countering and forcing using it um so I, I think I think for now that's kind of where we're gonna end it. I don't think that we we could go into statistics more often. I really and again, if you know people in the community and they want to partner with me, like my love of statistics, I, I would like to figure out how to change uh, list fortress to be more dynamic, to be more, you know, specifically allow for us to to do things. And I think that that's how we go about it, right? If we could get GSP on board, you know, and get you know, some of these new tournaments on board and get that on board, we can start taking this data and analyzing it better. And I think, and again, this is just me, right? I could, we could do a show every month on the statistics. If there's enough events, if we had that data, right. Um, I just think the big issue becomes is that the data becomes inconsistent and hard to manage in that format. Um, and it would be nice if we could set up like a server where it dumps that data into it and then we can put it in different fields and bring it together how we want. But that takes money and people's time and you know, none of us are rich and have that much time, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not rich and uh, I probably have some of the time. I could probably invest the time into it. I don't have the money to build my own server and pay to have all those upgrades. If somebody has their own server and wants to build us a database, it would be fun to go through this and do that. But with that being said, thank you all for joining us tonight. We will be back next Sunday night uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern. We promise we'll be on time. I should have my computer um, more logically figured out and figure out why I have 
I don't need to have two blank screens and have to use this little laptop screen. Um, I'll figure my crap out. I updated to the new OS and I think that's what screwed it up. But um, anyway, we'll be back next week, next Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we will be doing our Thursday night uh, stream games this week. We should be able to have uh, one or two games going this Thursday. And then we will also probably, if we could get our Cray Cup stuff to be streamed, well, that's what we're going to do. So um, I think I'm tentatively looking at a Tuesday for Charles or a two Wednesday streams uh, with me and Charles. I think Wednesday is going to be, I'm hoping to do it on Wednesday because I might be out of town on Friday, Saturday. So, but we will see. We'll let everybody know in the chat how it goes. Do you have anything else, Psych J, before we leave? I'll just hope everybody, uh, you know, uh, snuggles up and uh, gets warm. We got that cold uh, front coming in, and it's going to be cold this week. Stop saying that. I'm from Michigan. It's 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 already cold, man. It's it's Look, freezing up here. I'm in Florida, and people are panicking because it's 59 degrees. Okay. What? <laughs> what? Why? My oranges are going to freeze. Your oranges are going to freeze. Oh, you're killing me, son. So, all right. With that being said, thank you all for joining us. We will, again, like I said, we will be back uh, next week. Have a good night.